This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And we have, I don't know if it's breaking news anymore, but breaking since the last time we congregated for a podcast. Anthony Barr is back, gentlemen. (laughs) Anthony Barr, former ninth overall pick by the Vikings 2014 draft. If I remember correctly, yep, I think so. Zim's first, Zim's first pick, right? Yes, and that's the right. Last top ten pick the Vikings have had. I don't think they've had a top ten pick since him. I believe you're correct. Wow, just drafting in no man's land almost every 12 year. To Twenty four, something in that realm every time. Yeah, one year they were later in the first round because they went to the NFC Championship game. Right. Oh, you're right, right, though. Mike Hughes, yeah. And- and Zim's last two years, they they looked, at least in one of them, like they were surefire top 10 pick and then made the mistake of getting hot. And Mike Hughes was taken instead of Lamar Jackson. Oh, we could play that game up and down Vikings draft That's a fun one. That's a fun one because our colleague at the time, Matthew Collar, made a passionate plea for them to take mm-hmm. Lamar and like was dead on accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's like... People deemed it a risk, right? Oh, but but this, this team is ready to win. You can't draft a rookie quarterback. Like, well, they uh, they signed Kirk Cousins, and then they missed the playoffs the next year and only mm-hmm. have made the playoffs, what, twice, I think, in that era. So, mm-hmm. But we're going to talk defense here, largely the first chunk of this episode. We'll have Judd guess the PFF grades. We've got a, a pigskin pecking order. We'll see if the Vikings can finally crack the top oh. 10 NFL teams. According to us, Purple Daily presented by Quick Trip. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And it looks a lot more likely now than it did like a month and a half ago. Uh, before we get started with the show here, boys, all week long. So it's Give to the Max Day this Thursday. And here at Score North and on Purple Daily, we are throwing our support behind secondhand hounds. We're all dog lovers here. You guys know our dogs. The Vinster, Maya. We got Stella. Look at the Vinster, little proper boy. His little paws crossed. So Secondhand Hounds is a nonprofit animal rescue based in Minnesota that provides safe shelter for all of our furry friends that need safe shelter. And uh, and there's so many different ways that a dog could wind up at Secondhand Hounds. It could be that they're in a bad situation. It could be that it sounds terrible, but that their owners passed away. Uh, proper veterinary care is provided. Daily necessities for animals at risk, all while working to find each a permanent replacement uh, and loving home. So Secondhand Hounds, we're raising money all week. You guys helped us raise $500 yesterday already, so thank you. Scorenorth.com slash donate. 
That's scorenorth.com slash donate. If you've got five bucks or 500 bucks, whatever you feel comfortable with, we would appreciate it. And our friends at Nutrisource will be matching up to $1,000 raised nice. uh, in this drive to raise some money. So awesome. Anthony Barr, boys, 31 years old now. He's been a free agent all year after departing Dallas after the 2022 season, just kind of waiting for the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year, PFF had him as a below average linebacker. He only had 45 pass rushing snaps, so much more of a traditional linebacker role, which is probably what he would play here. Doogie was telling us he's it's not like a, an urgent thing where he plays on Sunday, but he's signed to the practice squad is what it sounds like, right? Right. Um, so he's in the building. He's going to be around. He's going to be available. Ivan Pace is going to get the green dot. But uh, what do you guys make of this? Anthony Barr coming in. Jordan Hicks has been excellent in Brian Flores' system. Uh, he was hospitalized with compartment syndrome in his right leg and underwent a procedure. So he's clearly not coming back this week, maybe the week after. We'll see what his status is. But what are you feeling? Anthony Barr back in the house. Well, I was really surprised at first. I'm like, that's a blast from the past that, that I didn't expect. I thought he was basically on track to retire because he, he hadn't played uh, after playing for the Cowboys last yeah. season. But you know what? Here's the thing. Brian Flores has done such a good job. I am very curious if if Barr does get promoted to the 53 and if he does play, what type of uh, chip he will be used as. So... Like, I don't expect him, I, you know, Barr in his prime, I think we all agreed, we, we were always surprised that, that he was not allowed to actually rush the quarterback more, but in his prime was a damn good player. And the one thing that Harrison Smith always talked about extensively was how smart Barr was. Like, he was just an incredibly intelligent player. He, mm-hmm. he was responsible for positioning a lot of guys. And I mean, back when when Zim's defense was good, not the last two years of of suspect defenses so i think that the learning curve here while it's a different defense than mike ran for sure the learning curve probably won't be as steep because of Barr's savviness and the fact he's been around um and again i'll go back to brian flores has done such a good job that i believe before we scoff at this and like oh he's not gonna play or oh he's not he's he, you know he's old now which you know okay yeah i think we need to give flores the benefit of the doubt that if they signed this guy that there might be a, a role. I also, to, back to your point on Hicks, who was shocked, and I'm shocked. I thought this guy was a, you know, not a bust, but I mean, he certainly in the Donatel defense was one of many players who didn't benefit. I mean, Jordan Hicks has become the, in, in my opinion, the key linebacker on this team and has played really well and he's instrumental. Um, but I got to think that he's out through at least the bye. So I would not assume that Barr won't have some type of role. I guess the question is, does Troy I play more or Barr? But um, I think that this could have some positive short-term plug-and-play upside that at least the Vikings want to toy with. feels like uh, the expression, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I feel like that's kind of the thing with Anthony Barr. Like, people were always confused when he was here that he should be rushing the passer more and he dropped into coverage a lot. I know there was the one play against the Rams, Zim's first year, uh, Thursday night, where he just got absolutely torched and burned. Um, and there was like some of those plays that just stand out. And then there's also plays with him, you know, where he sacks Aaron Rodgers, breaks his collarbone, and then 
Packer fans get, you know, absurdly upset with him over a pretty routine tackle. And that's a different story. But I think in general, Anthony, well, they're mad because they're mad because it wasn't a sack. It was Rogers threw the ball. ball that's and right. Barr came in late. That's when the controversy put his weight on him, which yeah. caused the no weight rule. That's true. Also They're still didn't. wrong about it, but yeah. You are still wrong. You're not correct on it. But I think in, as, as, a, as a whole, like Anthony Barr, I think we'll remember him more as a really, really good player, not a, not a what if. Why isn't he, wasn't he used like this type of player? And right now he's basically an insurance policy, right? Like you just lost Jordan Hicks, who's been a really good player for you. You're down a linebacker. Uh, you don't really have a lot of impact players on there. So, I mean, will he even be active on Sunday? Like we'll see. I'm, I'm going to guess, I'm going to assume probably not. I don't know. Maybe he'll be promoted by them. But I am curious how he fits into this system because, yeah, Brian Flores has done a really damn good job. The Vikings have had one of the best defenses in the NFL over this win streak. So you got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he might be able to utilize him. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, throughout throughout his career, we've, like, as fans, like Declan said, we've all thought, man, this dude, he's six foot five. He's a two, six foot five, like 235 pound, whatever he weighs. Absolute specimen. Wouldn't that be interesting going going at the quarterback more often and and he always under Meg Zimmer I think he always rushed the passer maybe more than we gave credit it was like he had like a hundred pass rushing snaps several years in a row under Mike Zimmer he only had 43 in Dallas last year and he played like most of the season he got hurt he missed a few weeks late with an injury but um Jordan Hicks on the other hand kind of to what Jeb was saying Jordan Hicks has been resurgent this year it's the best season he's had, according to Pro Football Focus, since 2018 in Philadelphia. Barr and Hicks are the exact same age. They're like three months separated. Uh, they're both 31 years old. So I think you're going to see what it looks like with Ivan Pace and with Troy Dye. But Anthony Barr as like a last hurrah for his career in a system that's really interesting. I'm intrigued. I'd like to see him get into a game and just see what Brian Flores can do using him as a chess piece. But make no mistake, Jordan Hicks is a huge reason why this run defense has been one of the best in the NFL over the last, like, two months, month and a half or so. And that's where I, I think to talk some football-y football X's and O's. Let's dive in. Yes. <laughs> football. Yes. I think that's where there has to be some concern. Ivan Pace is a great story, but he is not necessarily a run-stuffer type of player. And so... Um, the job that Jordan Hicks has done there has been extremely impressive. But I think that the Vikings, who, you know, use one linebacker now quite a bit, are probably going to be trying to mix and match things. So Die could play some. Pace will play probably substantially. But again, I don't see him as, as a guy who's going to step up in the A-gap and stuff the run on a consistent basis. Oh, football. Oh. And so does Barr become does Barr become that guy if if Die can't be um, the the interesting thing and this is probably past its shelf life of possibility though the interesting thing is when Barr got drafted and you saw him as a young player who had a ton of, of potential high first round pick you looked at him and said and I think Phil we actually had these discussions Jason Taylor like he profiles like Jason Taylor did the difference was Mike ran a four three. Yeah. Not a three four. Well, now he's in a three four. So, do you get creative there potentially? Yeah, probably not. But anyway, I think there's possibilities here, and I do think that whatever Brian Flores is comfortable doing, you have to uh, defer to him until he proves he's not effective. And Brian Flores has been 
incredibly effective. So I think this opens up possibilities. But the run-stuffing thing is my question, because after the Philadelphia game, I mean, this team has done, I think, an amazingly good job for the most part against the, the run, and I thought that was going to be a huge weakness throughout the entire season, not just in a couple of games. Yep. And just for reference here, so Jordan Hicks, he had, let's do the math here, uh, 93 pass rushing snaps. So he was sent on on 93 blitzes, essentially. And uh, he had 600. So, so about one in every six defensive snaps, including all plays, Jordan Hicks rushes the passer. Not great. He only has nine pressures in those 93 pass rushing snaps. I would be curious to see, and I know he's 31. There's a reason why he's not with a team. Anthony Barr, six foot five, hands in the air, athleticism deployed on those same plays. What could that look like? Mm-hmm. So maybe he's not a guy that takes all of the snaps, but maybe he mixes in in some certain formations. Say, hey, it's third down. Anthony Barr, go get him, man. We're going to put you right up the A gap. Get in there and make someone's oh, life ball. miserable. And worst so. case, it doesn't work. Yeah. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I got some fun facts about Brian Flores' defense, too. If yesterday's uh, episode, our live stream, wasn't enough lauding of Brian Flores, where I stumped for him to be just the straight-up coach of the year in the NFL. (laughs) Our guy Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com, your former colleague at the Star Tribune, pulled some stats here. Vikings started 0-3. Since the 0-3 start, their defense has ranked fourth in points allowed per game, fifth in defensive efficiency, Fifth in defensive EPA, which is expected points added, tied for fifth in takeaways, and seventh in yards per game. So after the bad start, 0 and 3. And they've played some tough teams over that stretch, too. Like the Chiefs are in that mix. Uh, the 49ers, although without Debo Samuel yeah. and Trillins, we're seeing what they look like as a, as a full squad. But by, by most measurements since the fourth week of the season, this has been a top five defense in the NFL. Isn't that crazy? Absolutely. I, I mean, if you recall our discussions going into the season, we basically all said, if they can just be mid-pack, Brian Flores will have done a great job. Mm-hmm. Mid-pack. And I got to admit, I like their chances against the Broncos and uh, and a Russell Wilson who looks nothing like the guy we saw for years who gave the Vikings nightmares in Seattle. Denver's not good. I don't care that they've won some games recently. Watch that team play. It is, it's not good. (laughs) I know they won last night, but yeah. Russell Wilson would have been, the the previous version would have been a nightmare, right? Because he's the exact type of guy who would have looked at a Flores blitz while in Seattle and escaped it and made a play. But he doesn't have that now. Like he tries, but he doesn't have that now. And so... I like the Vikings' chances because the one thing that, again, I keep coming back to it. I I firmly believe, and I'm shocked to say this, but I firmly believe that the defense has become the backbone of this team. Um, I I think it's the stabilizer. And 
the fact that Flores mixes things up, he he basically does what the Patriots did offensively uh, for years. And, and I'm sure it comes from his time with Belichick when Bill had his fastball. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Bill Belichick, there was never a way to describe the offense. It was basically what they called a game plan offense, which meant we're going to just game plan for our opponent. And then they can try and stop what we come come up with. It wasn't the West Coast. It wasn't this or that. And I really think what we've seen from Flores is exactly that. He game plans it, which to your point, Phil, to go back to his introductory press conference, when Joe Schmidt said three, four, four, three, he's like, tell me the opponent. He, so like, that's the most impressive thing. But like the Broncos are not going to get what the Saints got. It's going to be game, different. He game plans it, but with some principles that are always in play, right? Like mm-hmm. he's he, he's going to bring pressure. He's going to have three safeties on the field a lot. And and I'll give you a couple other fun facts. It was it was fun going through this this morning here. Just so 50% blitz rate even after not blitzing as much in that last game, a 50% blitz rate, which is the second highest blitz rate in the league. Uh the New York Giants with Wink Martindale have the second highest blitz rate. It's 41% to the Vikings, 50%. He's on the way out. Yeah, it's not looking good. I don't think he and Brian Dable are getting along too well. Like fighting on the sidelines. Yeah, they were having long conversations. Yeah, that's that's a mess. But yeah, yeah, Wink, Wink. I think Wink is a very big shelf life guy. Yeah, but the Vi- see, I think they would prefer the Vikings to blitz a lot less. But really, the I know Wanham has had Wanham's had a nice stretch and he's got six sacks on the season, but Wanham only has 24 pressures all year. So he's averaging yeah. like two pressures a game. Daniel Hunter's the only guy that gets organic pressure without dialing up a blitz or something. In fact, the guy with the third most pressures on the team, Josh Metellus. So, so they've had to dial up any pressure that they're getting. So it's a credit to Flores. I think in a perfect world, you'd have another guy alongside Daniel Hunter, a first round pick that you find, or Davenport stays healthy, right? Yeah, and you could you could just have those guys get after it with a three or four man rush. Yep. Um, on the Josh Metellus note, Metellus and Harrison Smith have been deployed on more safety blitzes by far than any other safety in the NFL. So football, those guys. Those guys have combined for 125 safety blitzes this year in 10 and, games. <laughs> and in, in the case of Harrison Smith, he didn't blitz last year. He was anchored. Barely, yeah. He was anchored back. Um, but this is why, again, I will I will um, reaffirm my desire for this to be called the 44 defense. It's Josh Metellus is the linchpin. And the thing about it is Metellus is so smart. Metellus' smarts are as important or more important than his athletic ability. I'm telling you. The fact that he knows every role out there and the fact that he basically is playing a hybrid position of which is not named right now is the the absolute key. The other thing the Vikings have gotten good at, and I think it was, well, if, on the extended drive, on the Eagles' extended drive in which they ran constantly, it was exposed. But beyond that, I think it's been pretty um, – I think it's been pretty successful is the no down lineman defense. So you, you'll see lots of times the Vikings will basically bring on an all rushing defense. It's not that these guys are that good. It's that you don't know from an offensive standpoint yeah. where the pressure now, now you so have to scheme, account scheme sacks, if you will. And you have to account for 
99 for sure. But other than that, you don't know where guys are coming from. And some guys will drop back into coverage. And so I think it's the, it's exactly what O'Connell said in his opening press conference about the offense perfected the illusion of complexity. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is the ultimate, like the defense is, it's three hours of, I can't remember which uh, color commentator said this. I think it was Troy Aikman, actually, when the Vikings were playing the Niners on Monday Night Football. And Aikman said, it's not that it's the most effective defensive front or the most, you know, they're certainly not the best defense. They're not getting the most sacks. Right. But what they're making you do is just think exhaustively for three hours, right? It's just, God, if you're a quarterback, you're up there, especially if you're a young quarterback and you're not fully used to all these looks and deciphering everything. If you're a Brock Purdy and whoever else, it's like for three hours, for like 65 or 70 snaps, you're just staring at seven, eight guys up on the line. Okay. Some, and it's funny because like sometimes a, a blitz is classified as sending an extra. So you, if you send four, technically it's not a blitz, right? I'm sure different sites have it differently, but if you line up eight guys at the line of scrimmage, right, and four of them drop back into coverage, but one of them is a defensive tackle dropping back, and the other one, and it's like a safety replaces him. It might not be classified as a blitz, but as an offensive lineman, you're trying to figure out, oh, okay, he's dropping, and sometimes like Boone has showed us this too. We're getting really in the weeds. I love it. What'll happen is the Vikings will show a blitz where like a Jordan Hicks or a Harrison Smith will take two aggressive steps into a guard. And that offensive guard has to respect that that guy's coming. Like you have to account for that guy. You can't just, you can't just be like, I think he's bluffing. I'm not going to account for him. If that guy takes two steps in you now you're occupied as a blocker and they will look out, watch how many times if you're, if you're a fan, like pay attention to how many times somebody will bluff a blitz occupy a lineman and now that lineman is doing nothing because that dude drops back into coverage and now you know what i'm saying like and now now there's a one-on-one on on the outside with daniel hunter because the guard is like (laughs) frozen right and and the smarts of these players is probably the most important thing because you have to know like like positionally you're asking guys to play different spots metellus and harrison smith literally are positionless players right but if they're not, but if they're not smart, and this is where I think that there's probably a problem with seeing, if they're not smart enough to know their exact assignment, you are, you know, a quarterback will make you pay. Yeah. If they know their exact assignment, now what are the answers to the test? If you're a quarterback, you got no clue. So like there's so many things. The other thing I think is, and it's fun because this sport always evolves. Like every year it evolves and changes and new things come in if you remember zimmer was famous for the a gap blitz right the a gap look oh he's coming up the a gap but you don't know when because it, it eventually became like figure it out it's the a gap um but i think what flores does is he occupies every gap with the questions that mike occupied the a gap with so like now you don't know anything about where guys are going to come from and the best part is if you put different looks on film, like how many looks, how, how much film, game film, coach film, would you have to study of the Vikings defense to have a good grasp? It can't be just like the Saints game. Yeah, and they're and they're coming up with new things too, right? If if something yeah. gets sort of okay, if uh, and that what they'll do too is they'll look and see like okay, the the the, the Broncos, let's say. 
because the Bills were sending a ton of pressure last night. The Vikings play the Broncos next weekend. They'll look and see, okay, what did the Broncos offensive line struggle to figure out? Let's sort of replicate that, which is smart for any team to do, but then let's have our own stuff that we can sprinkle in if they do figure that out in the first quarter. On Harrison Smith, so he has shattered his previous career high in safety blitzes. 2018, under Mike Zimmer, he had 44. He had 43 in Zimmer's last year, 2021. Only 14 under Ed Donatel last yeah, year. We talked about that. That's disgusting. Now he has 56 so far this year, which is second to Josh Metellus. And here's another nugget. So... We all know that uh, the Vikings made a bold move two drafts ago in 2022 when they had the 12th overall pick, I believe it was, and they decided we're going to trade back 20 spots. Kyle Hamilton is on the board. He wound up going 14th, safety from Notre Dame. And so they wind up, they, if they wound up drafting Lewis Seen, they wanted to draft a safety. They drafted Lewis Seen at the back of the first round. They could have drafted Kyle Hamilton. So Hamilton has been one of the highest graded safeties in the NFL the last two years. He just had a pick six to start the game against <clears throat> Cleveland on Sunday. Yep. So obviously not great. Just one up like, oh, Kyle Hamilton's one of the best safeties in the NFL and Lewisine can't get on the field. But when you build NFL rosters, it's not always your first round pick is a stud. Your second round pick, it's not always this linear thing. Cam Bynum is currently the fifth highest graded safety in the NFL this year. Out of 83 qualified safeties, Cam Bynum is the fifth highest graded safety. Josh Metellus is top 20, and he's generated the most pressures, hurries, and quarterback hits of any safety in the NFL. Oh, and Harrison Smith is your other safety. Yep. So it's this incredible strength of, of uh, position for the Vikings despite the fact that they completely botched what they did in the first round of 2022, looking for a safety. Well, and uh, cr credit to Spielman on the Bynum pick and especially the Metellus pick, which was a sixth yeah. round pick. Bynum was a, I believe, fourth round pick drafted as a cornerback who they then moved to safety. Yeah. Um, I think what this shows, I think far more than I guess the players because, and, and Rick did make, one of his best trades was to get back into the first round the year that he traded with Baltimore, ironically enough, uh, and took Harrison Smith. I think the lesson here far more is what positions you take in the first round. So, like, because, yeah, you're you're right. If they had taken Hamilton, he'd be great. That'd be fantastic. But they've actually done just a fine job. So, like, scene, the scene pick hurts because – you cannot say, well, it's just a first-round pick, but it's fine. But that being said, I think what that whole thing shows more so is be careful about the positions because we're talking about two-thirds of a safety group that plays all the time were either were third-day picks. Yep. Yep, and obviously if you're going to whiff on a first-round pick, you might as well swing big for an edge, for an interior defensive Amen. guy. And when you have the 12th Amen. pick, just swing big, man, unless you're mm -hmm. getting – now if they would have gotten the Lions' you know, future first-round pick – in that trade, which is what you were fighting. You know, that's what, that's what you were upset about on draft night. In retrospect, you were probably right. But they've, they have found safeties <laughs> despite sort of whiffing there. Yes. Um, wow, nice little deep dive into the Vikings Football. defense here. Football. I, I'm so impressed. I am so impressed with that aspect. And it's just fun to watch. The Vikings are so much – think about how, just from a fun factor, like a, like a red zone channel factor. <laughs> The Vikings last year with 
a really good quarterback, but like not the most dynamic, fun quarterback to watch. He was just more of a precision pocket passer yeah. guy. And then a defense that sat back and did nothing aggressive. Yeah. They just and, and wanted to keep good. everything underneath. And now yeah. it's like they've got the most ridiculously aggressive gambling defense in the NFL. And then they've got a quarterback running around second most rushing yards by a quarterback behind Lamar Jackson. It's uh, it's must-watch cr- TV now. And credit to O'Connell and Flores for this flexibility. You know, in retrospect, the Donatel hire makes even less sense now than it did previously because he yeah. clearly, he clearly one, sold them a bill of goods, but two, then came in and said, because, you know, we know for a fact, O'Connell talked about this. He went to Ed and said, can you get more aggressive? And Ed was like, I don't know if I can get more aggressive. Um, but how much fun is this to watch two, uh, you know, two of the most important coaches with this franchise? How much fun is this to watch them adapt and adjust in season? And yeah. and for Kevin O'Connell to basically be putting plays in, and and he's he I think talked about this during his Monday press conference. He talked about the fact that you have to be willing to adjust. Phil, we covered a coach in Brad Childress who was going to run his offense. Uh, uh, and you, uh, but do you remember? Like, like he had T Jack, mobile, big. I, I was right? going to say, dumb, dumb question, dumb question oh, now. But what if T Jack had gotten the right coach? Uh, 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 yeah, well, oh, well. Well, he did go to Seattle I'm, and I think he had a little a success for a minute. Then. Like, but if you would have put him under like Pete Carroll with a great defense and when like Pete Carroll is adaptable, right? Yes. Yeah. But let's say, but let's say T Jack, instead of being probably overdrafted by the Vikings, I think it was the last pick of the second round. Let's say he goes in the fourth or fifth round. Okay. And gets a chance somewhere. I'm not saying he'd be great. I'm saying this always makes me question because yeah. mobile strong arm. He had an arm. Um, but Brad was basically like, well, you're running the West Coast. You're, uh, and do you remember Brad out, was fixated? Uh, yeah. You just said it. Do you remember verbiage, how fixated verbiage, uh, he was on the verbiage? <laughs> like, it's like you're paralyzing the poor kid. Yeah, if it takes you a half hour to, to decipher a play. But so, yeah, I think it's 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 a blast. It's one of the great coaching jobs in the NFL this year on both sides of the ball. And mm-hmm. we'll see if it, if it continues this weekend. Uh, we're going to go through our pigskin pecking order. We'll see if collectively we have the Vikings for the first time all year as a top 10 team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We've got Judd guessing the PFF grades. And a shout-out to our friends over at Livia. A new offer from Livia. You can get a jump start here. Why don't, while everyone else is gaining weight the next two months, yep. why don't you start to change your life early? Just like Sportsnet did a couple of years ago, dropped 40 pounds. Look at the guy on the left, the guy on the right. What's the difference? 40 pounds lost. And as Phil just said, uh, now there is a pre-Black Friday event. Join today, get 50% off your personalized program, lose up to 10 pounds in your first two weeks, and get this, folks, lose up to 20 pounds, guys, or more before 2024. So instead of being on the couch, gaining weight, it's the holidays. Oh, man, I'm going to wait till January 1st. Don't wait till January 1st. Lose that weight now. On January 1st, you're going to be on a program that is going to work for you again 50% off your personalized program. It's the best offer of the year. It runes by the way through this Friday 855 go L I V E A livia.com livia weight control centers. It works livia.com in, inside or outside the state because the whole thing can be done virtually. Guys, get a jump start on the weight loss today by visiting livia.com. 
Also, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy a restaurant once in a while. Maybe uh, head to Three Jack. Be responsible, okay? Head to Three Jack in the North Loop. It's uh, indoor golf season here, Declan. That's right. You know, the weather's cooling down a little bit here in, in Minnesota, at least. And if you want to get some swings, and you can go to Three Jack. they got simulator bays. Or let's say uh, maybe you got a holiday party. you got family coming to town. Hell, Black Wednesday is coming up. One of, the, one of my favorite holidays of the entire year where all your friends come together. How about you make your... Black, uh, Black Wednesday? Black Wednesday. You know, Drinksgiving? call it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Drinksgiving. Drinksgiving, I, I, Black I, Wednesday. I'm old. I have no idea anymore. Yeah, I've it, heard Drinksgiving and Drinksgiving. Blackout Wednesday. Maybe Blackout Wednesday. Blackout Wednesday no works. Anymore. Regardless, <laughs> old, guys. I think if uh, you want to, you know, embarrass some of your friends, you know, from the high school that are coming back, why don't you go to Three Jack, you know, and, and make them swing a golf club. Whether uh, you're good at golf or bad at golf, kind of like me, doesn't matter. You can go to threejack.com. You can fill out their event inquiry uh, page. They can host up from 15 guests to 250 guests. You could have a class reunion there if you really wow. want to. Uh, go to 3Jack and 3Jack.com to learn more. Drinksgiving, by, by the way, jumped the shark when everyone started to go out. I went in, in like 1991, it was just great. And then I feel like now, I feel like it's you're become saying, Your St. take Patrick's is that Drinksgiving day. peaked in 1991? Well, no, it peaked in the 90s. It peaked in the 90s, but now it's like everyone, right, Dex? Everyone goes out. It, it's sort yeah. of a gong show now. I haven't done it in the COVID era of our my, my yeah, timeline. Um, the last time I did it was was 2019, uh, but I and I haven't done it since. And, and to be honest, like, yeah, I'm kind of over that lifestyle of getting absolutely blasted the night before Thanksgiving. There was a stretch, man. I'm not Guy exaggerating. Moves to the suburbs. Guy moves I love the no, no, no. suburbs. I loved it back in the day. No, no, no. In the 90s, I got in some big trouble. From like... <laughs> 2014 to 2019, I did not spend a Thanksgiving not hungover. Like I, 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 I did not remember what a sober Thanksgiving felt like for like a good nine year, eight year stretch. Uh, and and now I, and 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 I've always loved Thanksgiving. So even whether I was in like the best of spirits or worst of spirits, I could get by, pun intended. Uh, but but I'm I'm just glad that that phase of my life is now mostly mostly over. Wow. I hear you. Guy turns 30, moves to the suburbs, no, no. and becomes no, he's a, right. a responsible I did adult. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing. I can't tell you the, the amount of times I showed up, showed up at my poor parents' house late for Thanksgiving oh. and like had my head buried in my hands, yeah, my just begging to go home. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and then you scoop about two and a half plates of Thanksgiving food. You oh, know, food and coma. What, what's up with? I feel like a lot of people do Thanksgiving like early afternoon, like yeah. one or two o'clock. That's a yes, little early. Why do we? Why do we, yeah, why do we deviate from normal feeding times? You know, why don't we just do a Thanksgiving dinner at like five or six o'clock? Because ah. I think you don't want to eat, yeah. eat like it, eat lunch, and then you're going to be full by five. So I so think if I'm going to eat at one, I'm hungry again at seven. I, I think you know? between, yeah, right. I think Leftovers. three and four o'clock is the ideal Thanksgiving start time for the actual meal part of it. Because also you, you do need a time to digest that food. Like you can't just go from food to pie. You need like a good 45 minute you clear the table. Oh. You know, you clear the table oh, of your guest house. You put a big dollop of Cool Whip on your pie, and you can do that. You can't have you pie without right Cool Whip. Uh, you do movies and stuff. Like, there's a whole, there's a whole thing of Thanksgiving. Yeah, there's I did. On. And there's, there's, there's plenty of options to do. On, that's my yeah. point. Like, there, there's plenty of things to keep you busy on Thanksgiving. You don't have to, like, sit down at 6 o'clock and have traditional yeah. dinner. They used to do sci-fi or some other channel. They used to do James Bond Marathon Weekend on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's how Twilight I started Zone, watching right? uh, Connery Bond movies. We did Twilight Zone. We Marathon. did Hanksgiving twice. We did Tom Hanks movies, and then the next year we did Colin Hanks movies. The colonization of Hanksgiving is actually what we called it. Uh, it was genius. We always do try to do movie things on 
on Thanksgiving. Is Colin Hanks family. that good? Yeah, Colin Hanks is good. Okay. Good director, too. All right. Sounds good. Are you, like, uh, offended that I... <laughs> that no, I, I know. I just was curious. I didn't know what his catalog <laughs> was. I didn't know what his catalog was. I'm a big Tom Hanks guy. That thing you do, fantastic. Wait, Forrest what? Gump. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, what? That, that thing you You're do is one big, of my favorite films. It's a, it's a movie, but, like, you just, it's you not just a movie. listed it's a one of the movie. greatest actors of our time. Okay, And you listed Gump. that thing you do as the first movie. Forrest Gump, good movie, too yeah. long. <laughs> Philadelphia, too long. I have eight. I saw both of those in the theater. Those I would have loved classic, it. great. Movies. I know, and you know what? They would have been better if I had been in the edit bay, oh. taking I, some time off both those films. Here's what we need from you before the end of the week: your top five Tom Hanks movies. Oh yes. Oh sure. Sit on it. Okay. That's no problem. Put a pin in it. And if you're going to edit out for length, I'm curious to see what this list is going to look. Philadelphia like. Philadelphia and Forrest, Forrest Gump for sure. Forrest Gump, Gump is a for classic, sure. dude. And yeah, they break it up into long. like different chunks, so right? You, which is where it's too long. I I would have taken a whole chunk out. Bang. Amazing. But the but the nineteen ninety uh nineteen ninety eight NFC championship game, which was four hours of dread, is one of your favorite football games. Uh, a sporting event that goes four hours you're fine with, but a movie that well, goes no, no, two no, hours. No, 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 no. I'm fine if it's a classic game, but you know what? A classic film is always better shorter. Gone with the wind, I would have loved to chop that sucker up a little bit. I'm with you on that one. Like, okay, we okay, get well, it. All right, all right. It's There's a, a love story, it's a civil war, we're gonna It's a okay. classic. Yeah, it's considered a classic, right? We it don't need an better with the Zolgad touch. I'm with you on that one for sure. Okay, thank you very much. All right, much. let's rank our top 10 NFL teams here. This is the, oh, pig, got there, but... the pigskin pecking order where we all three of us rank 1 through 10, the best teams in the NFL. We also rank where the Vikings are. And so far this year, the Vikings have not showed up collectively as a top 10 team. I think, was it Declan that put him in the top 10? One of us had him top 10 last week. Uh, I did not have them I last did. week. I, I had him 10. And I will Should say, I th- this one was me. difficult because like three of the top five teams that we've had all week didn't play this week. Like There was a lot of good yep. teams on the bye week, so it made it, in my opinion, the pigskin pecking order kind of tough to fill out. And some bad losses, too. Mm-hmm. And bad some losses. very bad losses. Yep. Yep. You're 100% right. All right. So collectively, in aggregation, we have the Eagles, Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers as the top four teams. Now, mm. I will tell you, digging into the data here, you guys each had the Eagles as the number one team in the NFL. Yep. I punished the 49ers for a few weeks. They were hurt during that stretch. They were fully healthy playing at Jacksonville. Trent Williams was back. Debo Samuel was back. Right. And they beat the brakes off of Jacksonville. They did. I have the Niners team. back where they rightfully belong as the number one team in the NFL. Oh wow! I think okay. that's a little aggressive. I I did I did okay. move them back up, but I think one. I I, I mean, I'm I mean, not they're, gonna. They're the most dominant team in the NFL when they're. Healthy. I'm not gonna knock the birds out when they didn't play. But this is uh, me with Judd and Colin Hanks, the 49ers. Okay, okay, I don't know. It's fine. Okay, yeah, I'm not it's offended fine. by it. You okay. take your eagles. Okay. You take your birds. I'll take birds. my coal miners. Fly, <laughs> and we will fly on my go- the road my go- to victory. My gold miners, I guess it'd be. Uh, Lions are five. Dolphins are six. Yep. Cowboys are seven. Jags, eight. Cleveland Browns, nine. And making their debut in the pigskin packing order for the first time all season. Here it is. The Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings. You guys both. You guys both. Hold on a second. Hop in the Bengals. 
Hop in a bunch of other teams. So here's where we had the Vikings. I have them ninth. Judd has them tenth. Declan has them tenth. Only one other team received a vote. So we all had the Bengals out. We all took the Bills out, I believe. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I had the Bengals fourth, but then it's like, why are you losing a game at home to the Texans? So I put the Texans 10th, actually, and I also moved the Jaguars out. You can't lose a game at home like that and not have have some punishment. So I considered the Texans as well. Texans are damn good, man. CJ Stroud is legitimate. There's some fraudulent, like six and three, six and four teams, too, in my like the Steelers. I have no idea that the Steelers are winning games. No idea. They always do, Dex. It's Mike Tomlin, it's, it's ridiculous. They have a minus twenty six point differential. They're six and three. Uh, yep. It's it's just very bizarre to me. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's Mike Tomlin ball. Just muddy it up and find a way to kick a field goal in the end. I guess. Mm-hmm. So there you have it, boys. The Minnesota Vikings making their debut in the pigskin pecking order. Uh, Judd guesses the PFF grades today, presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's like having a great offensive line for your business. Uh, just frontline protection, risk management. You can elevate your business by managing risk, and that's what Federated specializes in for over 100 years. They're based in Owatonna, Minnesota. They are one of us. They were just recently named by Forbes, a top 10 place to work in the state of Minnesota as well. So check them out if you're a business owner, if you're a next-generation business owner, maybe taking over for uh, for your parents, whatever federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. All right. It is time for Judd to guess the PFF grades. All right. We'll start with the defensive side of the ball. You get three incorrect guesses, three strikes to guess the top three and bottom three. We're looking for at least 20 snaps is where I'm drawing the line today. Oh, okay. At least 20 snaps. All right. We're changing that a little bit. I think it would... Here's why. Like, Troy Dye is above the 15 snap mark, and I don't think you would have guessed Troy Dye. I thought that was a... It, usually we set it at 15. Right. He came in as a backup, and that would have been a sneaky one. So I'm going to put okay. the line at 20 right. snaps. Okay. That's right. word. Okay. Fine. Um, <laughs> top three. That thing you do. Amazing. Yeah. That's a great movie. You're so like defiant Liv Tyler, over something. Liv Tyler is so is so good because it's Tom Hanks' oh, film. Okay. It's his right. baby. He like wrote it. That's great. That's great. <laughs> he's fantastic in it. Awesome. I it's like. I've seen project. it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a movie. It's a yeah. passion yeah. project. It, it wouldn't be the it's first Tom Hanks project. movie I think of her list. You know? It's a passion project for Tommy. All right. Top of the list on defense. Daniil Hunter. Top three. Neil Hunter did not make the top three. Strike one. PFF's out of line. Um, he lost an interception, but his wife was there in a great story. Saw her first game finally. Feel like he flashed quite a bit. Cam Bynum. He was the third highest graded defensive player. 69.1 grade out of 100. Neil Hunter didn't make it from the line. I don't know who. I mean, I guess interior. Um, linebackers, you said died, but he didn't. He doesn't qualify in snaps. I'm trying to think if Ivan Pace flashed. Um, all right. 
I'll stand in the defensive backfield. Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith, unfortunately, did not crack the top three. Okay. Oh, you know, he had a pick. He had a pick, and he almost had two. And he played quite a bit. Makai Blackman. He was the second highest graded defensive player. Got to run the table here. We're looking for the top defensive player and the three worst. All right, who else from the defensive backfield can I isolate, hone in on? Caleb Evans? He was the top. There he is. 81.3. He had a really good game. For a Caleb Evans. Byron Murphy Jr. did not. I, I feel like he, he had a couple of plays that got him dinged. He had he a couple a moments. And, no. Well, he got beat He got beat uh. on the touchdown by Jameis. That was a great throw and a great catch. Um, but he also got, right before that, he he missed a tackle, which is, is it was a bad missed tackle. He's gotten better. the la- He's looked better the last few games than he did the first six, seven games of the season. Okay. All right, the bottom. Yep, you got, you got one strike left, so this is going to have to be a feat. Yeah, this is going to have to be incredible. Out of nowhere. Um, Harrison Phillips. He was the worst. He's in. 49.4. He's in. He's just a guy. He's alive. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an NFL player. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's just a guy. Um. Okay, you know what? He grades so poorly. Most of the time, it's clear PFF hates him. P- potential vendetta for him. Byron Murphy Jr. He didn't have a great day, but he wasn't bottom three. 59.4. The other it. two were Jordan Hicks was actually the second worst grade. He was really bad in coverage. They dinged him in coverage, a 39 coverage grade. And then uh, Patrick Jones was also in that mix. All right, same thing for the offense. We are looking for the three best and worst players, according to PFF. And uh, we'll draw the same line, I guess, 20, okay. 20 snaps. All right, I'm going with the uh, hero. The hero for the past two games. I'm going with uh, one of the top players, Joshua Dobbs. Joshua Dobbs was not one of the three highest graded players. PFF, did did they shut down and not work and not actually watch this game? Okay, my next guess, TJ Hawkinson, obviously with the unbelievable first half. 93.3 grade, the highest graded player. All right, another guy, and I, I actually I didn't see the uh, grades, but I saw his day was flawless in a statistic in a stat that was put out on uh, X. Brian O'Neill, who I don't think gave up a pressure. Brian O'Neill was the third highest graded player, seventy four and a half. All right, let's stay with the tackles. Christian Darisaw. Hmm, he was not. He had a good game, but he was not. Two strikes. All right, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go to the show, the trenches with Boone. 
yesterday and throw out a name of a guy I didn't even think about until Boone raved about him. Josh Oliver. Josh Oliver's pretty reliably in the three most weeks. Yeah. He was a 75 grade out of 100. So you got the three, and you got one strike left to get the three worst graded offensive players who played at least 20 snaps. Alexander Madison. Third worst, 56.8. Look at this guy. It's good performance. Offense. I feel like the. I feel like not a lot of the receivers got to the snap count, and Jordan Addison would not be a bottom three. Um, Brandon Powell, I feel like, does the right thing, so I don't think PFF likes to ding him. Um. And now I'm thinking of snap counts. Who who actually had enough snap counts? I, I mean, the tight ends had good days, right? I'm guessing Munt didn't get to the snap count. Do you want me to list the, just for fairness, list the players uh, left that had enough snaps? Sure, that'd be good. Okay. The ones you, you haven't guessed are Ed Ingram, Jordan Addison, Garrett Bradbury, Ty Chandler, Brandon Powell, Dalton Reisner, Jalen Naylor. Okay. First game of the season, probably some flaws. The man I believe KOC calls Speedy, Jalen Naylor. He's in the three, 55.7. It's looking for one more. One strike, one more. Can he do it, folks? Come on, Jolene. Come on. Can he do it? Ed Ingram. Ed Ingram. Easy Ed. Uh, Edinger had a good game, 73.1 grade. Uh, Dalton Reisner was the lowest graded player, 53.8 in this uh, one. For really? So, yeah, Dalton Reisner. No the shove job, though. Pretty good job the by you. The, the shove didn't get him some yeah, love. no love for the shove and kick. I love the yeah. kick. The kick is awesome. You know what? Awesome. When a big man, when his leg flies above his head on a kick, yeah. he ain't making my bottom Plus three one. list. Plus one point. He deserved he deserve better fate here from PFF, so. All right, boys, that's a wrap on this Tuesday episode of Purple Daily presented by Quick Trip Daily Vikings Entertainment. We got predictions for you tomorrow in an accountability session. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die.